Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. So my name is Christine Clawley. I'm a licensed professional counselor, and I also am working on a documentary exploring the nature of time, healing, and synchronicity. And my story began in my 20s. So I was 24. I had recently graduated from college. And leading up to this near-death experience and major illness that I had, I was having very vivid nightmares, or you could even call them night terrors, where I would wake up in the middle of the night and it felt like I was being strangled. And it appeared to be this, you know, darker, indigenous-looking woman who was very angry. And I wish, in hindsight, I had paid more attention to these dreams because I think these dreams were giving me a message and precognitive in more than one way. And so... For six months, I would have these repeating nightmares. And in my waking life at the time, I was struggling with depression. I was questioning, you know, I didn't enjoy my life, my work. I was struggling to find meaning and purpose. And I think in many ways, I was suppressing my voice. And so one could look at this, these dreams from a symbolic perspective, emotional perspective. But then, so one week, I ended up getting very, very sick with what I thought was the flu. And this is when this illness began to really manifest. So I thought I had strep throat. It was very hard for me to swallow, to talk. I was in a lot of pain. It was the only two weeks I didn't have insurance because I was in between jobs. So I went to the ER, they sent me home and I just knew something was wrong. And I really encourage people if they feel like something is just really off and wrong with their body and they go to the hospital, they don't get help, go to see another provider because I just knew that something was seriously wrong and that I could possibly be dying. So reached out to my parents. Uh, my father picked me up. And for the next couple of days, I was, you know, really in and out of consciousness. They didn't take me to the hospital right away because I'd just been there. 
And I was in a state of extreme amount of pain and delirium from this infection. And I knew I was dying, but it was very hard to communicate that to others. And so there was a moment where I felt it beginning to happen and my heart just started pounding really rapidly. And there was this red rash starting from around my throat that just very rapidly, and I'm talking about a minute, spread from my throat to my chest to my torso. So reached out, you know, to my parents, okay, it's time, I need to go to the hospital. And by the time I was on my way to the hospital, I lost consciousness. I had gone into septic shock. My lung had collapsed. And the doctors, trigger warning here, this could be a little disturbing for some folks, but when they made the incision to give me a trach and, you know, they were just going to work on patching up my lung, they realized it was a very serious infection of necrotizing fasciitis or the flesh-eating bacteria, which is life-threatening. So many times when people get the flesh-eating bacteria, they may have to amputate the area where the infection is. Given the infection was in my throat and chest, well, obviously that would end my life. So... So as they worked, this amazing team of doctors and nurses, Memorial Hospital in Colorado Springs, I just really want to give them credit and all the medical professionals who work every day and trying to save people's lives. So I was placed in a medically induced coma for about three and a half weeks, and they wouldn't really tell my family how bad the odds were. But once I did awaken... From the coma, several professionals said she really only had maybe a 1% chance of surviving. At the same time, they fought to save my life. And every day it was up and down. They did not know whether I was going to make it through that period. So from my experience, I'm in a coma. I did not clinically die. So, you know, this near-death experience may be different from others. However, it felt like I was forced prematurely into this other realm, a non-ordinary state of consciousness. And there was one realm where it felt like I was floating on water and I could hear this very beautiful music and it just felt like I was there for an eternity, almost, almost waiting. So that was one big dream I had. And there was another dream where what was happening to my body on the physical level was happening in the dream. So it was a very disturbing experience of being tortured and, and experiencing that pain. So even though I wasn't conscious necessarily of what was happening on some level, mentally and emotionally and spiritually, it, it was registering what happened. So the other big dream I had was a dream which some might consider you know, I'm still exploring how to interpret this. Some people talk about other lives, past lives, other dimensions. But in this particular life, I had lived out an entire life. I was different race. I was Asian. And I was on this huge ship out in the middle of the ocean. And there was just this feeling of utter hopelessness and depression and, and sadness because 
all of the women on the ship were sex slaves and had no rights, couldn't talk to each other, were just objects. And my role, I was in my 40s, so I was no longer used in that way. And I was kind of like an overseer. I had to bring women onto this ship and, you know, help kind of put them in their place and train them. And it was, I hated my role. I hated my position and I hated myself for being a part of it. And there was a transition point in this dream. I mean, again, it felt like it went on for an eternity, but there was this moment. And every time I tell this, I just start to cry or tear up. There was a moment where I saw this other beautiful woman on the ship. And even though we weren't allowed to talk, our eyes locked. And there was just this deep understanding and empathy of the pain that we had suffered. And I realized this person was my sister. And that changed the whole tone of this this experience it it, just that simple connection and empathy created this whole feeling of hope and then we began secretly helping women escape so one by one these women there was just this feeling of liberation of joy and I believe this was a turning point in the treatment of my illness because it was very you know, up and down and not looking good for a while. And later when I had woken up, my, you know, sister talked about several times, like I would come out of the coma, lock eyes with her, and then go back into the experience. So I also wonder about that influencing the content of this dream. So when I awoke, that was a whole other experience. And And it changed me very, very deeply. So with any major traumatic experience or illness, I had had some PTSD symptoms. I was only 24 years old and I felt like I had been through something that was very difficult for many of my, my peers to understand. And in addition to that, I began to have heightened intuition precognitive dreams almost on a daily, at least weekly occurrence. Um, I would have this incredible empathy or just natural understanding of what others around me were feeling. And it was very hard to cope with this new way of being in the world. I do think when people have near-death experiences, there's this, it's almost like this other kind of gate or veil is lifted and it's it's much easier to go back and forth between this reality and that other reality. And so one thing I also just wanted to share is the fact that I've had some shared death experiences and that's been a something I've come to I'm accepting more and more although you know again These experiences can be very overwhelming, very scary when someone first has that kind of experience just because of the intensity of it. So this experience in our culture, 
we pathologize these experiences. Um, so I had tremendous fear of being labeled as crazy or not knowing how to navigate the world with this new understanding of reality. And the one of the most disturbing parts for me was the precognitive dreams, because there's this, for anyone who's experienced deja vu, it's like having a deja vu, but even stronger because you have you have the images, you have the specific information, you have that lived feeling. And there really is a sense of not being in control. And for myself, it's it's made me question this idea of free will. You know, how much free will do we have? Are there certain events that are destined to happen? So that's led me to my other work, which is recording these experiences and also exploring the nature of time. I don't think time is what we think it is. I also find it really interesting that a lot of near-death experiencers have had UFO experiences. And this is another big taboo topic, but you know, it is getting more attention. So I'm very curious about what that relationship is. And I have had like my own experiences, uh, several sightings, which were really impactful. And there does seem to be some kind of relationship to consciousness. Now, Jung, Carl Jung actually wrote about UFOs towards the end of his life and acknowledged that there is some kind of psychical connection and that it could involve consciousness as well as some kind of paradigm shifts that we're seeing. So I don't claim to know what they are, but I think it's really just interesting to explore. And I think, again, this, just the fact that we're, it's less taboo that as a society, we're talking about these very odd, anomalous, unexplainable experiences shows that there is some kind of a paradigm shift taking place. And yeah, I, I guess that's one thing I just want to say. And... I guess that's about it. Yeah.